Frank Ling. And I'm Charles Lee. And you're listening to the Grok Science Show. That's right. It's a weekly look at the world of science, technology, and their effects on our daily lives. Coming up on today's program, Olivia Kosky and Jana Gersovich will join us to discuss Vacation Guide to the Solar System. So stay tuned for all of this. Plus the Grokatron 5000. And our world-famous question of the week. Coming right up. Here. On the Grok's Science Show. the Grox Science Show. Well, at a time when burgeoning startups are offering suborbital travel to everyday people, albeit for a hefty price, and NASA is discovering new possibility of habitable planets, there's a new book out that might help you if you decide to go across vacationing in the solar system. The new book, Vacation Guide to the Solar System, written by authors Olivia Kosky and Janet Gersovich, for what it might be like to travel the solar system uh, in sort of a tongue-in-cheek manner. And uh, we'd like to thank Ms. Kosky and Dr. Gersovich for joining us today on the Grox Science Show. Thank you both. Thanks for having us. Thanks for having us. We're excited to be here. Uh, well, certainly our pleasure, and uh, certainly a, a really fascinating book you both have written, uh, The Vacation Guide to the Solar System. Uh, I'm curious, why did you both decide to put this book together? Well, the book actually started uh, with the Intergalactic Travel Bureau, which is this live experience that we've been creating for the past five years. And this is a travel agency where anybody can come uh, and plan their vacation to space. We do it periodically. It's not open every day, but for festivals and other public events, um, we open up the Intergalactic Travel Bureau and invite members of the public to sit down and imagine their dream vacation to outer space. And after planning thousands of space vacations, we decided it was time to create a vacation guide. And that's actually how how Jana and I met was uh, at the Galactic Travel Bureau because I was recruiting some astronomers and she answered the call to become an intergalactic travel agent. I was uh, procrastinating on writing my PhD thesis and uh, somebody asked me if I wanted to plan some people's space vacations and how do you say no to that? So that's how Olivia and I met and how I uh, got involved with the Intergalactic Travel Bureau. That's a a great story. I'm I'm curious, what's the most uh, common destination that people have asked to visit? Well, I feel like when I'm planning people's space vacations, I tend to um, kind of massage them towards my fa- personal favorites. Um, so when I'm when I'm doing it, I would say people go to Titan quite often because um, it's a really a fascinating moon of Saturn. Um, it's it's got a thick thick atmosphere and seas of methane and ethane. So it's kind of like a beach vacation, um, but much much colder, many hundreds of degrees below zero. Yeah, and when I talk to people, a lot of a lot of them are interested in the moon and Mars because I think they've heard a lot about potential space trips there, and you know they want to know more. They want to know um, when they can when they can visit these places. And of course, there have been uh, trips to the moon sold in in recent months, and uh, you know it remains to be seen when when those are going to take off. But uh, you know people are really curious about space because it's seems like every day you hear about a new development happening in the space industry, a new, you know, milestone being reached with reusable rockets. And, you know, in a hundred years, who knows, like we might have visited all these places that we talk about in, in our book. 
How how likely do you think this is, and how long do you think it'll take? Well, it's so everybody always asks that, and I think it's really hard to set a time scale, uh, particularly because it's affected so much by social factors, right, and how much we um, as a society are investing in advancing uh, space travel. But one thing that really changed my mind, you know, as a scientist, I come to this with uh, an air of skepticism, and um, and seeing how people envisioned space travel a hundred years ago, for example, um, so airplanes were new, and they're their images of traveling in space were airplanes in space and people without spacesuits on and um, and just to see how far we've taken it in a hundred years I think that it's hard for us to predict where we will be you know in 50 and a hundred years and certainly travel human travel to Mars is is on you know a shorter time scale so hopefully we'll see that in my lifetime a hundred years ago they thought it would take you know 50 60 years to get to Mars thousands of years to get to Neptune and, and Pluto beyond that. And, um, you know, now it takes only a, a decade to get to the outer planets. So. so New Horizons, for example, was a probe that did a flyby of Pluto, and it took about a decade for it to get there. So our timelines have been um, been rapidly going down. So hopefully that will continue in the future, and we'll also develop technologies to allow people to survive well in space. So I'm curious, what are the sorts of folks that uh, come to the Intergalactic Travel Bureau? How much do they know about space? Do you find that it's a more uh, well-versed public that comes, or, or is it the gamut of individuals that are just curious about space? It really depends. So um, part of it is where we're running the events, right? If somebody hears about the event ahead of time, um, we get a lot of um, space-interested people who know a lot, and those conversations are, are very fun, right? Uh, because uh, oftentimes, even if they know a lot of facts about space, they haven't necessarily thought about human activities in these different places. So, for example, what would it be like to bike on Mars or to juggle on Pluto and that, that sort of thing? Um, and so so and in other in other cases, like for example, when we had a storefront in Midtown, it was um, just people walking to and from work, people in suits um, that weren't really expecting it um, and maybe didn't have as much of a background uh, in in knowledge about the planets. Um, and so those conversations are really fun in in other ways too, because oftentimes you're bringing uh, information to them that they'd never heard before. Yeah, and this is really kind of the spirit of Guerrilla Science, which is the organization behind the Intergalactic Travel Bureau. We create experiences for the public to connect them with science in new ways um, and in ways that are going to be relevant to their life. So, you know, we want to, to reach people who maybe they haven't ever even thought about visiting space, um, but when they come plan a space vacation, they can relate to the idea of going on a vacation or planning a vacation. So, you know, we take these kind of everyday things and explore the science behind them. And it's just, just a ton of fun. So now, now this book is available. Uh, what, uh, what was your process for putting this book together? Did it out of these conversations or further digging to get the most uh, insightful vacation guide to the solar system that's out there? Yeah, I think, you know, a, a lot of it came from our experience planning people's space vacations and kind of what they, what our visitors brought to it as well, kind of ideas about um, what they're interested in and what they'd like to hear about. Um, but many, much of it came from speaking with scientists, so astronomers, planetary scientists, 
um, all sorts of different people. We talked to a space lawyer, which I did not even know space lawyers <laughs> existed before this. Um, but uh, it was really interesting to kind of have an excuse to ask all of these questions we were curious about, about how things would work in space. Yeah, and there's a ton of a ton of data uh, from NASA, um, from all of these different missions that um, NASA and other organizations around the world have sent out into space. And NASA is very good about posting, you know, all the imagery and also raw data from the missions that they've been on. So we actually have created a virtual reality uh, extension to to the book to let people visit some of these destinations uh, in VR, which is which is really exciting. It's way too long to get the experience. Yeah. Yep. I mean, you know, most people can't afford a ticket to space, probably, you know, all but a few of, of the wealthiest humans of Earth. And uh, so we want to be able to to serve the rest of the population and give space vacations to 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 everyone else. Well, you, you did bring it up that, uh, you know, space is not really a, a sole endeavor of the U.S. Uh, how much of uh, this is uh, international in scope? Well, yeah. go ahead. <laughs> yeah, I think that, um, you know, in terms of, of what we cover in the book, we're not focusing so much on uh, on the real missions. Um, uh, I mean, we use the information from them, but we don't want to focus too much on them. But a lot of that information came from a variety of different places. Um, and so, you know, there's um, ESA missions represented, Japanese Space Agency missions, um, all of that has gone into our research for the book. And in terms of, like, who... Uh, where we'll push forward and who will take the lead uh, in terms of space travel in the future, it's really, you know, it's it's, it's an interesting question and it's one that is hard to answer because uh, it really depends on a lot of political factors. Um, But, you know, what I have seen is that people have become very interested, the public has become interested in space and human space travel in particular, and I'm hoping that that spurs another political push um, for nations to really um, support and put resources into space travel. But what's really interesting is over the past decade, you've seen a lot of activity more in the private side of the space industry. And it, it really is private companies that are starting to lead the way into space. And, you know, you see these sort of um, new, new space startups that are that are launching um, launching companies that are based on you know doing business in space and so I think that's been a really interesting recent development and you know companies are leading the way when the governments are sort of not putting resources into space exploration but I think in terms of the scientific missions like a lot of a lot of those are um, multinational you know the International Space Station is of course an international national effort. So I think, you know, to get to space, it really is going to be a global effort. Um, you, you both sort of alluded to uh, your favorites, but uh, I'm curious uh, for both of you, what, what would be your ideal uh, vacation through the solar system? Well, I definitely uh, want to check out Titan, as I mentioned, and also while I'm in the vicinity, um, I would want to go to Saturn's rings. Um, and so uh, something that I would find fascinating would be to orbit along with the rings. So, of course, you have all these 
icy um, and dusty particles that are orbiting around each its little moonlet around Saturn. Um, and I think it would be a very meditative experience to go around with them. Uh, I'd also want to visit the um, the hexagon on Saturn uh, because I find it just weird and fascinating. Um, it's in the clouds, basically a depression that is in the shape of a hexagon, and this surprised everybody when it was first seen by the Cassini mission, uh, and I would want to uh, float over that and maybe uh, dive down and, and go into the atmosphere a little bit and check it out. And for me, I think I would visit Jupiter. It's just such a beautiful planet. I want to see the, the great red spot up close, and I want to explore uh, its many moons. Uh, it has, you know, 67 or so moons, and some of its moons are, are pretty pretty unique. There's Io, which is covered in volcanoes, and then right next to that is Europa, which is covered in ice, and I think it'd be really fun to kind of explore those two extremes if you could somehow survive the radiation which is <laughs> minor uh, caveat <laughs> which is you know pretty pretty powerful there but if if that wasn't an issue i'd i'd love to stand on the surface of europa and look up at jupiter uh so it sounds like the gas giants are getting a lot of love what about but some of the uh, the outer planets or or even those dwarf planets uh, uh any interest there Oh, yeah. I mean, we, you know, it's kind of controversial that we would include Pluto as its own chapter because it's not formally a planet. It's a dwarf planet, um, but it's, of course, the same Pluto as it always was. Um, and you, the thing that amazes me about the Pluto chapter is that we couldn't have written it five years ago because uh, a lot of the information uh, and uh, kind of the ex the uh, us imagining, yeah, the imagery was not present before New Horizons uh, went past Pluto. Uh, and so learning things like the fact that Pluto has pink nitrogen ice mountains with methane snow caps and, uh, and has this heart-shaped plane, Sputnik, Sputnik planes, um, we didn't know that um, until very recently. And so it's exciting the rate at which we're learning new things. Yeah, and I I would also be interested in visiting Mercury, which it would be quite hot, but um just the fact that you can you can walk along the night side um with the terminator line which which separates night and day and you know it, it travels at 2 miles an hour so it's it's you know human walking speed yeah, i think you it would be pretty experience the sunset continually <laughs> although of course the radiation there and if you get caught on the day side you're really in trouble uh, it'd be really tough to stay alive but if you could you could have a beautiful view of the terminator yeah and yeah of course the the skies of venus um are quite pleasant probably some of the you know best most earth-like uh conditions in the solar system if you uh just ignore the sulfuric acid clouds um you know 30 miles above the surface it's 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 pretty pleasant back in the space age uh, i thought we'd be off to the stars in no time uh, how do you think that's changed uh, since then and what do you think are the the possibilities for the future is there really a push now towards this end i'm i'm just pretty struck by you know the sort of the lack the lack of uh, effort and resources 
put into um, getting us to space, at least in the U.S. I mean, if you think about the 1960s, of course, we went to the moon in the 60s and 70s. But in the 1960s, um, you know, there were also thousands of scientists who were working on a plan to to put humans um, in orbit around Saturn. And uh, it's it's remarkable to me to, you know, it's called Project Orion. Um, there's a, a book about it um, called Project Orion, which is just fascinating to to learn about um, this effort. And I don't think there's anything equivalent to that these days uh, in terms of getting human beings into space. And I think if you talk to a lot of scientists, they'll tell you, well, it's not very practical to, to put humans in space. We can send robots. We can send probes. We can send rovers. And that makes, you know, it makes a ton of sense. And we've gotten a lot of really great information uh, from from all that. But I think there's there's nothing like sending sending a human to space to kind of get people excited and really relating to what is out there. So, um, yeah, I I'm not sure what's going to happen in the future or or when we're going to get to some of these places. But I think it'll there'll have to be a change in in the way that that um, that we think about space or the government at least thinks about it. If people want to at least find a virtual uh, tour of the solar system, uh, where can they go and uh, where can they learn more about your organization, uh, Gorilla Science, and, and all the things that you do? Yeah, so if people want to download our free space vacation app, they can visit gorillascience.org. It's G-U-E-R-I-L-L-A science.org slash I-T-B-V-R. Um, and, you know, our website, gorillascience.org, has a ton of information about all the different things that we do. Um, you can find out more about the Intergalactic Travel Bureau. We have, uh, you know, events coming up. We're doing a book tour. And we also have a there, – there's a stage show uh, happening in London right now. Um, that's the Intergalactic Travel Bureau uh, musical stage show. So uh, we're doing, doing a, lot of, a lot of fun stuff. All right. Well, I want to thank both of you, uh, Dr. Jana Gersovich uh, from the Hidden Planetarium and uh, Ms. Olivia Kosky, head of operations at uh, Gorilla Science, both uh, authors of the new book, Vacation Guide to the Solar System. And uh, Ms. Kosky, Dr. Gersovich, thank you so much for your time. Thanks so much. Thanks for having us. And that's all for this week's edition of the Grok Science Show. Make sure you tune in next week for more from the world of science and technology. If you'd like to contact us here, you can email us at science at groks.net. For Grok Science, I'm Frank Ling. And I'm Charles Lee. Make sure you also see us on the web at www.grox.net. Have a great afternoon and keep on grokking.